It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. We're the defective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. Uh, this is James. The Hi, James. <laughs> the opinions are around. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship today. We'll be sharing our experience with Surrender in this episode 24 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Oh, yeah. All right. I surrender. Gentlemen. I surrender to this I, podcast. And I will say, um, we forgot something last week. That um, any topics that uh, anyone listening, if there's something you're like, you know what, I really want to hear what Dennis has to say on insert topic here. Oh, the there's, peanut butter there's sandwiches. A, there's a way that can be done, and I want to. I mentioned it in the beginning and uh, and after Dennis. Tell us, you know? Dennis. Uh, on Twitter, you can find us at at the underscore characters, and that's our Twitter account. And we will respond to you if you. DM or post or whatever, so give it a follow. Give us a tweet. It originally was going to be called uh, at uh, Bruno Mars 27 because that's the only tattoo that Dennis has on his body is a tattoo of Bruno Mars. Yeah, it's and true. When he was 27. When he was 27. It's, it's right over my heart. Yeah, but you decided against it. That's probably good. It's well, it was actually taken. So it was, it was taken all the way up to like like 99 mm. and then i was like i'm not gonna have bruno mars 100 like that's just too yeah. too much so, so so what is it again uh it's at the underscore characters on twitter Ca- characters with a ch yes did i did i way? not pronounce it with a ch i mean some people could spell it with a k if you want to incorrectly spell characters right yeah Sometimes when I speak, I speak with a K instead of a CH, and so right. I apologize for that. Yeah, so underscore characters. If you're looking it's for not it. It's that funny. So, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I, I want, characters. Say I, it. <laughs> Char- at, characters. At the underscore characters. So I, it's I, hilarious. Now but they're I, all confused. Yeah, I, I, Lord knows I am. So, uh, But I, I wanted to start with some, some levity because uh, this is going to be talking about something pretty much how we came into the program uh, in, in a way. Uh, with the topic of surrender, and I'll start with you, Dennis. When you first came in to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in the program, what did you hear about surrender? Um, what did I hear about it? I don't know. I think, like, oh, I can't remember. I don't know. Like, I was kind of familiar with the concept of surrender in a way. Like, even me going to a meeting was a kind of a surrender. I think early on like probably when people were talking about the third step you know how like when you first go into a meeting you don't really understand what people are talking about they're saying a lot of words and phrases and stuff that like are foreign to us and over time we actually learn what those that means and we can internalize like the philosophy or the meaning behind them or whatever 
Um, so like I, people talking about like surrender to your higher power or surrender to God and stuff like that. And I don't think like talking about the third step and stuff. So I don't think I quite understood what they were talking about, but in hindsight, I can kind of see like before I ever came into the rooms, I surrendered to, a, you know, surrendered a lot of things over, you know, because of, you know, I quit drinking and drugging a year and a half before I ever came in. So I had to, like, I surrendered that. I accepted that. And then um, going into a meeting, you know, my friend would ask me every once in a while to go, if I would go with him, and I didn't. And finally, one day, I just, you know, it was like, sure, I'll go. And that was a, a sort of surrender to me. And I think that was a, probably the first surrender I did to come into recovery, you know. James? Um, yeah, when I first came into the rooms, I heard, you know, a lot of the slogans. I heard uh, swin- uh, surrender to win, which was a new term for me. I also heard that um, uh, alcohol wasn't my problem. It was a lack of power. And I, I had no idea what that meant. What do you mean lack of power? And I found out that lack of power meant that I was powerless over alcohol, that I was powerless over drugs. They controlled my life. So I had to surrender the way I thought and the way I felt and the way I had been running my life. I heard that, you know, when you surrender your old way of life, you can replace it with something new. And I would find out what that is. I felt... um I don't I almost felt like a a feeling like I was such a loser to not it's funny cuz I felt like a loser when I was hiding my drinking and drinking in my car and then you know the the times where I got into a car accident um like I wasn't going fast enough to cause major damage but like T-boning another car and then I got away with it, even though I had alcohol in my breath and I was slamming drinks. I felt like a loser then. But then when I had to go as a part of my job and go out to bars and admit to friends that, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm not drinking. And then they would ask why. I felt like such a loser. And like uh, it took me a while before I realized that surrendering um, – and like quitting actually wasn't me being a loser. That was actually the first time that I was taking back my life by turning it over. And like uh, Dennis said, and you as well, James, that step three was important. But I didn't, I didn't hit step three. It, I don't know. It took me. So I came in September eighth. And it was right before Thanksgiving that I think I finally got it. So it was like two months and change. And that was a really tough two months because without a doubt, the first 30 days in sobriety, I primarily just felt like a big loser, that I couldn't do it. And that I, I, I didn't realize you know, like like we talked about already, that the lack of power is my dilemma, um, and not having that spiritual connection. So once I did do step three, I kind of I I started to see, hey, like I can actually have everything in life that I want, and 
more money because if I'm not spending it on alcohol, then I can actually have more great things in life and not material things, but just anything that I, I want. Like people that come into the program and, and we're, would you guys say we're on the, the, like the younger scale as far as like newcomers that come in that you've seen? Like what? Well, in our home group. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, in our home group. But I, I think I definitely see a lot of younger people do come in. And there's I think there's a different dynamic there. If someone's like 10 years younger than us, 15 years younger than us, they, they still have a lot of that rebellion. There's more fight in it and stuff. But then I've seen a lot of them make it and stuff. So I think we're probably like, like not the youngest generation that comes in, but we're definitely, there's more of our generation than the younger generation that comes Dennis in. Dennis throws th- frozen rocks at newcomers. I do not throw frozen rocks at newcomers. You shared about it. Why do you freeze them? A rock is already hot. It, it doesn't it, get harder in the freezer. It, it was a metaphor that I shared in the meeting today. You, you want did. me to share it? I misunderstood. Huh? I would like. I would like. To, I was not. At, I was not at the meeting today. Okay. Sorry, Dennis. The the metaphor that I was share. I think this is my first metaphor on this podcast, and I love metaphors. You do do a lot of similes. That's a okay. comparison. I'm more things. of a parable kind of guy. Yeah, okay. you you're a terrible parable. That's what they call you. Oh. All right, so real quick, I'll do it. Like when I came in to the program, you know, I was like a, a hot air balloon. <laughs> it's a simile, metaphor, whatever. Uh, I was like a hot air balloon, but I was completely deflated. I used to fuel my engine with alcohol and drugs and stuff like that, but eventually that burnt me out, you know? So like I had holes in my balloon and everything else and I couldn't fly anymore. And then I came in to the rooms or whatever to try to learn how to fly and you know there's like kind of two like schools of of things where like some people a lot of like old timers or old hard asses will come in and throw frozen rocks at the balloon and be like you need to fly this is how you fly and just throw frozen rocks at them but that doesn't work for me you know what i'm saying when it when i came into the room it was people that uh, gave me warmth and gave me fire of kindness and love and generosity and and that kind of stuff that started fueling my fire again you know what I'm saying so that I could start to believe that I could fly again and then you know doing the steps or whatever prepared the holes in my balloon and stuff and stuff and then eventually I was able to find a higher power to like fuel my balloon so I would be able to fly. But at first it wasn't the frozen rocks being thrown at me. It was the 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 warmth and the in the hot air of kindness and love that got me off the ground. You know? Hey, thanks. Thanks for sharing. It yeah. sounds much better. It's kind was, of off topic. Was there more? And there was it was a simile. Because you started it with like. like. You're right. And metaphor is when you don't use like or as. I, I I could rewrite it to be a metaphor. Yeah. Well, it, you want you share it, share it next time, but first with your sponsor, <laughs> and then then bring it up. Uh, speaking about um, acceptance, was did we talk about that topic already? No. Did we? No. So there is uh, a a common bond that acceptance and surrender have. Uh, what do you think that is to you, James? How are uh, they related? Well. Accepting that I'm an alcoholic was something that that I had to do in the depths of my soul. And I I believe that's related to surrender because as you accept that, you have to surrender that there has to be something else to replace that that alcoholic tendency in me, that 
that craving of drugs and alcohol. So when I accepted it, I knew that I had to do certain things and I had to surrender to what I soon found was a higher power. And as I slowly uh, built my life back up, um, I was able to replace the, the drugs and alcohol and the feelings of despair with, with spirituality, with a higher power. So, you know, it's, it goes into step one, two, and three. You, you accept that you're an alcoholic, and then you became willing to change your life. And then on step three, you, you finally do surrender, and you surrender to this higher power um, by, by him helping you with your daily tasks, with you. Um, for me, it's, it's praying every day. It's, it's meditating, li- listening to that, that intuitive thought or inspiration that comes through the meditations and, and knowing what the right, next right thing is and actually doing it, stepping through my fear, uh, becoming just a, a great human being that people want to be around, that, that I'm proud of, that my kids are proud of, that my wife is proud of, and never having to feel... That, that that loneliness and the, the the fear and just the the sick situation that I had been in for so long even though you know my loved ones they, they saw that I was suffering they didn't know how to help me only I could help myself at the end and ultimately it was only God who could help me help myself Dennis as far as acceptance and, and surrender um, like how are they related and, and when was the first time that you actually uh, remember I guess like surrendering and, and accepting and kind of like buying into it like where were you at um, sobriety was um, I think like the similarities of like surrender and acceptance I think they definitely go hand in hand it's it's like once I accept that I I or like you know can turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understand him or whatever, then, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I'm no longer in control. I'm no longer in that driver's seat or whatever. It's, it's God's plan. He's going to direct me and he's going to take care of me and he's going to put me where he wants me to be. So like every day in my life, when these things come up or my ego starts talking to me or just life happens, it's, I remember that that surrender and I accept the situation for what it is whether I like it or not I accept it as part of of God's will for me so it's 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 like a daily surrender a daily acceptance of what it is you know so I you know I think you can accept things without surrendering them over to something but that surrender is what helps me accept things if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, I think early on like the first conscious surrender that I knew I was surrendering was when I came into the rooms and you know, I'm filled with that hope for the first time and whatnot that like, you know, I decided that if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not just going to show up to meetings every once in a while or whatever. I started going every day and I decided I'm going to get a sponsor and I'm going to do the steps because that's what everyone was telling me is what they did. So if I wanted what they had, then I got to do what they did. So I think that was the first like, you know, forefront conscious decision that like, I'm just going to do this, whatever it is, I'm going to do that. And I surrendered to the program in a way before I ever 
necessarily surrender to a higher power. Mm-hmm. My, um, you got you guys ever been on a cruise? Yes, twice. Wonderful. Yeah, I went Wonderful. on a Disney cruise with my parents. <gasps> was it was it in sobriety or no? Um, no, it was not. Okay, James, were were you when you went? No. So they um they have like a bulletin board usually at the uh, the like the main check in area, and it will say friends of Bill, and usually if they have meetings. Uh, cause I've been, I've gone to meetings on maybe three different cruises in sobriety and they would have these meetings either in the library, which is all fine and good, but anybody can walk in when it's in the library. So some people won't show up because it's a little like, you know, or it'll be at the highest point in the ship if they have like a little room, like an observation area, which a lot of the ships have. And I find like that's the best in when I was five months into sobriety, I went and so on the bullet board, bulletin board, it will say friends of bill. And then what time the meeting is. And you just go and sometimes they actually have like a binder that has, you know, the steps and the traditions to like get the, you know, meeting started if not it's just people sharing and I had a really difficult time because it was my first vacation that I'd been to in sobriety and I went and the first day this was like a uh, a week-long cruise nobody showed up and I'm like man like I was pissed because I'm like there's nobody else dealing with, like, trying to get through this thing sober. There's 5,000 people on this cruise, and there's not one honest alcoholic that wants... And I got the internet package, and I emailed my sponsor, and he just sent me back, got your big book, and I wrote back, yep, and he said 417. And at that time... I hadn't, because I'm a really slow reader, and I was essentially reading the big book either with him, which at that point, I was pretty much doing a step a month right around, so we weren't obviously through even, uh, we weren't even through 162, and like I mentioned in previous uh, episodes of this podcast, I need to hear slogans over and over and over before they sink in. So acceptance being the key to happiness and surrender and everything else didn't really soak in. And I read 417 and I instantly felt better. And he said, you took time out of your day to go to this room. No one else showed up, but you made sure that you were sober and you put your sobriety first. And that's the most important thing. And still to this day, anytime, you know, I've, I've been visiting friends before and I'm like, oh, well, I'm, you know, uh, when I was visiting family uh, in Massachusetts and drove there and then went to a place there was, I thought there was a meeting and there wasn't, I just sat in my car and had a chance to meditate and said, okay, obviously the meeting schedule's changed and different, but I'm still taking this hour and appreciating that I'm turning my will and my life over to a higher power and I'm surrendering to it. And I think just the act of putting it first is the thing that's so important 
you know, and if I'm supposed to actually have another alcoholic in that room that day, then that's it. But without it, maybe I wouldn't have um, read 417 because I wouldn't have shot off that email to my sponsor mm-hmm. and, and had that moment. And it's and funny it, how those things happen. Yeah, and I think it's important that you noted, like, you making the effort to show up to that meeting, whether there was a meeting or not, that effort is valuable to your sobriety. You could have blown it mm-hmm. off and gone by the pool or the casino or whatever, but no, you took the time to go to that meeting, and that's very good for your recovery. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. If that was me, I would have used that hour to take a nap. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't nap at all. Yeah, that's good. That's I was good. I was pissed, <laughs> but I didn't nap. You you can relate. Um. Well, I don't get pissed, so no. Oh, okay. I'm just, just stop, Dennis. Just that's me. a lie. This <laughs> is an honest program, James. You but, might not hold on to being pissed, but you can get pissed. It's progress, not perfection, Dennis. It's true. I mm-hmm. um, I'm so sorry. Since we are talking about surrender, <laughs> uh, it, it, we know that it's important to the program, but but why why is it so important? And you guys don't have to to dive in too deeply on this because we're kind of bouncing around this topic but why is it so important because when you're surrendering you're you're basically putting aside everything you think you know about yourself and how you're supposed to deal with other people in the world which for me got me into a lot of trouble my best thinking got me to aa so what i need to do that's one of the slogans by the way one of the things i needed to do (laughs) Was surrender. Thanks, <laughs> was surrender. And it's it's so important to surrender every day because, you know, in the day, if, if you're not doing, if you're not surrendering to God, if you're not praying and putting, you know, what I like to do is I put other people, I put God first, other people second, and then myself third. Do I always do this? No. But I try to do this every day and I pray for that every day. Um, by doing that on a daily basis, I stay out of like my own selfish and self-centeredness. Uh, I try to be a cheerful giver and I try to do things for other people. Here's the kicker, especially when I don't want to. Those are the real growth spurts for me because there's a lot of times where I'm lazy and I do not want to do things. But when I get up and I do them, I always, always, always feel better. And that's by the help of God and doing the things I don't want to do, which in return uh, gives me a lot of peace. That's that's the outcome is peace and uh, serenity. Yeah. Dennis? Um, I think like surrender to me, it's one of the most important aspects of it. You know, it's one that helps me on a daily basis. You know, like before I came into the rooms and, you know, I had to control everything and like live my life. Like I obviously couldn't do that. You know, it got me to where I am or was. And so like, you know, it's like they say in the director scenario in in the big book, you know, I think it's like page 67 or something like that where it starts. It's the third step part of the big book. No, it's a literal big book. You can get its pocket size, though. Um, well, I know, but is it a metaphor in the book? It is. Okay. Yeah, it's the director scenario or whatever. But it basically, it talks about 
how, you know, we're not in the driver's seat anymore. We don't have to arrange the lights and make all the actors do what we want them to do. And, you know, that's important for me. It's like when I, when me or my ego tries to take control of every situation and figure out every problem in life and the world and everything like that, I drive myself crazy. I just can't do it. I'm not that smart. I'm not that strong, whatever. So when I can take that, that kind of stuff and like hand it over to my higher power, surrender my life to it, there's a lot less that I got to figure out. You know, it's like, I just got to make sure I wake up and do what I'm supposed to do, do the next right thing. And everything else is going to work itself out. I don't have to worry about what James is doing or what Mike is doing or what you guys are doing is I just got to, you know, make sure that I'm doing what I need to do and let God handle the rest of my life. Hmm. It's kind of like pressures off, right? Like in yeah, some respects. Absolutely. Now, when I say pressures off, it's like, yeah, if you just sit there and you don't do anything, you don't help anybody else out. That's that's not what I mean by pressures off. But a lot of the outcome of whatever actions you're doing, it's like at the end of almost every single meeting I've ever been to, you know, when you're holding hands, whether it's the Lord's Prayer, Responsibility Statement, or Serenity Prayer that gets said at a lot of the end of every meeting, it's also, it works if you work it. So, yeah. if you're putting in the work and the steps, and one of the steps, step three pretty much, is surrendering, then you're actually doing that work. That's what you're responsible for. You're responsible for making sure you do that, doing the best of your ability, and what you can't control, what is outside of your hula hoop, you know, as they said in my home group in Vermont, you just kind of let that go. Yeah. And that powerlessness of I know that when I used to put a drink or a drug in me, who I turned into was somebody that was me, 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 and the victim and negative and not helping you with a damn thing unless I got something out of it. I shared this of like, I would, I was so self-righteous that if I brought you a coffee into work and you didn't return the favor, even though that was not part of the deal. You didn't even ask for a coffee. I just was doing something nice. If you didn't at some point return the favor, as every week went by, I would hate you more and more and more. And like so much, so much, there was so much hate that I had that I, I guarantee I lost friends because I would just be a complete ass to them. And it's like, that was the only reason I would ever be doing anything for you. You know, is because I figured, oh, well, I'm going to get mine. And then those people that didn't actually give me mine after, I was like, forget you, you know. And I'm grateful that powerlessness of, listen, I know there's nothing that a drink or a drug. Of all people, I think Lindsay Lohan actually made a reference to it. I heard like seven years ago before I came into the rooms she was like, there's nothing left in a drink or a drug for me. I don't need it anymore. Because at that point, she had already gone through rehab and been a mess back, I guess, what, 13 years ago and went through her struggles for like five years. And I can honestly say today, probably the only thing I have in common with that Lindsay Lohan from seven years ago is that I know there's nothing left in a drink or a drug for me. But there is a heck of a lot still in it as far as God goes. And I'm excited to see where it goes, 
you know? So with, we talked about acceptance and surrender being related to you guys, powerlessness and surrender. How's that different? And how are those two things related? Um, I think <clears throat> that, you know, it's kind of like go back to my simile earlier where like, you know, when I came in, I didn't have the power. I didn't have any power. I couldn't live anymore. I couldn't function as a human being anymore. And I didn't know how to do that. So where I got that power is giving it away, you know, giving it to my higher power. And in doing that and working with the tools that I have and the steps and the fellowship and everything like that, I've been able to accomplish and do more in just life than I was two and a half years ago, you know, and that's, it's, it's accepting, you know, in a way, almost giving up. It's like throwing my hands up. Oh, I can't do this anymore and whatever. And that resulted in me like doing nothing. You know, I was pretty much agoraphobic and didn't leave my house filled with anxiety and depression, completely dead and nothing, no hope, no future, no nothing. And then once I came into the rooms and I learned that I could hand all that over, it's where, like you said, there was a weight lifted off of me where like, now I can start to get better. And then, you know, I think you touched on something and when you were last talking about, you know, the expectations or, you know, I don't have to worry about the expectations. All I got to worry about is showing up, doing the next right thing. And then however that plays out is in God's hands. And that like, you know, that takes a lot of that pressure off, like you were talking about, to where, you know, it's, I'm no longer operating off of my own power, my own will and determination and strength and stuff like that. It's somehow some, I don't know if it's mystical or whatever, but like somehow in surrendering this, I have a power that doesn't come from me, you know? Yeah, powerless is definitely related to surrender. Uh, you know, just in war, when you're powerless and you can't do anything else, you're you're going to surrender because what is the alternative? Death? Um, for us, for me, as an alcoholic and uh, a drug addict, it was, it was a lot to admit that I was powerless because I never thought I was that bad. Who knew? I knew. People I, around you knew. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot, you know, because it, it took a lot for me to really admit that that I was, you know, this this person. But I, I also didn't know that there was another way. Um, when I finally did, you know, step one, two, and three uh, as best as I could, um, which in a sense is, you know, I can't. He can, and I think I'll let him, referring to God. I, it was it was easier for me to um, to surrender my life and my will over to Him because I believed in Him. Um, but I, I mentioned earlier that I, I have to surrender every day, and every day I wake up um, just an untreated alcoholic. With, with powerlessness over drugs and alcohol. So I have to use my tools every day, and that is surrendering to God, and it goes hand in hand. Was there a, um, was there a time 
this this time around because I know James, you you've been through it before, and got to how far did you get in the steps with your previous sponsors before you went out? I'd always get to. Um, I went through the steps. Um, I maybe had five different sponsors, and like I I mentioned in previous podcasts, there was one, two, and three were kind of just kind of those steps where you look at like, yeah, sure, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, I'm done with those. Now, now I have to start writing. Shoot, all right, yeah, I kind of glossed over those, and I had never really done everything including step four and five to the best of my ability. And by doing that, I, I never felt this sense of relief. And ultimately, there was no God in my life. You know, I was just the, that person who came to the meetings and, and sat in the meetings, and I would go home not feeling any better, wondering why um, I didn't have the fellowship, why, you know, people weren't inviting me to go fishing with them and, you know why can't why can't I get this craving out of my head? And, and ultimately, I'd always drink, always. And if it wasn't for God intervening when He did, and you know, in a sense, giving me a white light experience, I'd I don't know where I'd, I'd probably be locked up or 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 dead. You know, so it was it was rough. You know, getting to that point, and I I can't really place. I think. Ultimately, it was omitting a few of those deep, dark secrets that I was going to take to my grave. When I finally got those out, that was when I free—I really felt free. And uh, it was walking through the fear. There was, um, I don't know if it was, it was probably having a tough time surrendering that I went through. So uh, my sobriety date, September 8th, 2014. And at that point, uh, I had already, it was just two weeks before my 30th birthday. And my 30th birthday, I had planned with a bunch of friends. We're going to come from miles around and we were going to rent a party bus. And it was going to be a big thing, big drinking fiasco. It was going to be a big mess, let's be honest. And I had a tough time canceling all those things. And telling all the people, hey, we're actually not, because some of them were work friends that I wasn't going to include and in telling them why. So I said something came up. I forget what excuse I, I gave, but since it was through work, those people really didn't need to know. You know, at first I was going to tell everybody. And then the woman that I worked with, as soon as I told her I had a problem, and she took me to my first meeting. She said, you don't have to tell everybody. Why would you tell anybody? Don't, d- d- it's none of their business. And, you know, as we have heard in our home group, something gets shared quite a bit is since there's a lot of people visiting from out of town, a woman that came in that said there's only two types of business. There's your business and none of your none business. Of your business. And I didn't realize that. And it took, it took a while. So I didn't tell the, those people, those work friends, that it was canceled because I started going to meetings and I quit drinking. But instead, my birthday party was at my house with friends that knew that I had stopped drinking and they knew just some of the periphery of like, okay, clearly I have a problem. And 
they were there and my sponsor said, listen, you have to make sure if you're okay with it, you know, you take the alcohol out, it's not going to actually solve anything. You have to actually find a new way of living and work the steps and everything else. So, you know, maybe you don't have alcohol around you, but at some point you have to be okay with it because it's part of your job that there's going to be alcohol around in places that you are. So he said, just call me, but if you have family and friends coming to over to your house, if they want to have a drink and you think you're okay with it, fine. And I thought I was okay with it, but I had so much resentment because a situation situation turned into instead just a spaghetti dinner over my house with 20 other people. And it sounds crazy now to me, but one of them had the audacity to raise his glass of alcohol in the air and everybody cheers me for my birthday as I'm drinking effing like Mountain Dew. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cheers, nice. And I was so pissed because I'm like, you cheer somebody with alcohol is what you do and I can't drink and everybody else is drinking. Now granted, this also, I was the person that said, no, I'm fine with you drinking. There's, you know, the, the drink isn't the problem. But I had a, a tough time at that point. I don't think to that point, it was what, 16 days sober. I wasn't ready to be around that. And I had to take an honest look. And if you're listening to this and you're new in the program or you're thinking about stopping, just be honest with your sponsor and be honest with your loved ones. Because I kept my mouth shut during the party, but then I unleashed on my wife and was like, you know, your friends, like, what was that? That was a slam against me, them saying cheers. And she's like, what are you talking about? Everybody's saying happy birthday. And we said cheers. It wasn't like, hey, you can't drink and we can. Na 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 ninu. It was none of that. It was just, that's just you in your head. And it's true because I didn't actually surrender. I didn't have a higher power yet. So like we said, like it's an honest program earlier. It really is. And it's important to actually be honest. As far as surrender goes, um, I I do want to wrap this up, but toss one more thing. uh, Both your ways when it comes to it is what do you need today to surrender? So is there anything that you're working on today that's that, you know, two and a half years into the program, you guys have already worked the steps. Is there anything that you're dealing with and trying to surrender to have a better life today? Yeah. I think this is, you want to go James? Um, we'll save the best for last. Well, it's a kind That'd of, be Mike. I thought of, <laughs> I thought of two different things at once. Um, you know, one thing I need to be doing every day is surrendering uh, my will and my life over to God. And I do that every day. That's one of the things I can't say that I do every day. For two and a half years, I have never missed a day of prayer. If I forget when I wake up, I, I pray in bed. Like, as soon as I wake up and I thank God. But sometimes I'll go maybe to on my way to the meeting in the morning and I'll be like, oh, I forgot to pray. And then I just look up, hi, God, I'm here. How are you doing? You know, just talk to him like a buddy. Um, so that's something I have to do on a daily basis. It's just something I have to do. And I have to work on that. Um, as far as surrendering, um, I also thought about like surrendering 
um, maybe old habits or or things that I, I don't like doing, um, giving it to God. Um, one of them being like, say what I mean and, and do what I say. You know, a lot of times my wife will be talking to me and I have no idea what she's talking about. And at the end, she'll ask me, well, what do you think? I'll be like, what? Are, were you talking to me? You know, I, 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 need, I should give when people are loving enough to talk to me and give me their undivided attention. I think I, I owe it to them to be fully engaged in that conversation and not uh, being absent and sometimes waiting for my turn to, to speak. That's something I can surrender. Um, yeah. What did you say? Dennis Kane. I'm sorry. Dennis! <laughs> sorry. Um, so that's what, those were my two thoughts I had on surrender. They were wonderful thoughts. Aww. No, don't hurt me. I'm a baby. Um, I I think like I love the topic of surrender and like surrendering has been my theme all year so far. Like 2020 for me personally has been weird. That's the only way I can describe it. It's not all bad. It's not all negative, but it's been a lot of a lot of growth, a lot of changes coming my way, like with projects and like you know, it's almost to the point where I got to start like deciding if, what I'm going to do and like turn this one down or do this one and stuff like that. I've with had the, with the crayons and construction paper. Yeah. Like, do I, you know, do I do crowns and color pencils or like, is it just going to be too much and too complex for me to handle? But then like, you know, with like even relationships and, and stuff like that, like friendships and just complexities that are all like came at the beginning of the year so this year like every single day I've had to be like God it's in your hands God just please take care of me help me it's you know it's surrender and it's you know so is it like what specifically today do I need to handle is it's it's just or surrender is just it's my life like if I try to figure it all out and try to control it all and 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 make it have the outcome that I want and I'm I'm just going to drive myself crazy again. So it's 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 multiple times a day it's I I say it out loud, God, it's in your hands. You got to take care of this and I just got to show up, do the next right thing and then what happens happens. Expect good things. I get scared sometimes though. <laughs> sure. But that's the, good advice. And I I still I feel myself uh struggling with it was what, maybe, I don't know, about a month ago that Mark told his story to us. And he yeah. he, he said something that uh, is a bit dated, but not really if you, you break it down of that one of his, I don't know if it was his friends or his sponsor said, man, you should get a job at MGM because you're <laughs> one heck of a projectionist. And, and that's, <laughs> that's honestly what... Um, what I, I struggle with, and I know that I, you know, th- I mean, the whole, the word struggle is me not surrendering. Because if I'm yeah. struggling with anything, that means that I'm taking my will and I'm putting it where it does not belong. And just like I get told time and time again, especially early in sobriety, I was told, take my foot and put it in my mouth. And then I realized I should probably clean my foot before <laughs> I do that. Um, I have to stay where my feet are, you know, and I have to appreciate everything that I have today and be very grateful. 
because if I'm not grateful for what I have, that can very easily go away. So I'm grateful for you guys and, uh, and coming together, talking about surrender, something that uh, obviously is, is very important to us. I'm grateful for you guys as well. And James is just thumbing around on his phone. So. I'm grateful for Baby Yoda. Yeah, well, that's nice. Baby that's Yoda nice. is wonderful. We, we will be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 25 where the defective character is entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, let go and let God, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's been fun. Ciao.